So this is going to be slightly bit more upbeat uh, before we start Lamentations. So because in our sermon series, we've been looking at um, the Sermon on the Mount, and we're coming to the end of Jesus' teaching about Christian discipleship. So we're in Matthew 7, 7. So at last, after quite a lot of negative teaching, okay, don't do this and don't do that and don't be like those hypocrites, these verses are full of positive action. It's A, S, K, ask, seek, knock. And then there's this positive response. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open. So it is for everyone and anyone. It's so inclusive and welcoming. It's as though through Jesus, God is opening the gates of heaven and inviting us in. And then the illustration that Jesus gives is just so simple. The crowds listening to Jesus I mean, they had, they're all sorts of people and come from cities and countrysides, but everyone would get this idea. Is, is there anyone among you who, if your child asked for bread, would give a stone? Or if your child asked for a fish, would give a snake? Well, they'd all look at each other and say, no, no, I wouldn't do that. So everyone gets what Jesus is saying. And children might think that sweets and ice cream are the, um, are the best things, but generally, on the whole, we know what good things we, we give children for their well-being, even though we are evil. Yes, Jesus calls us evil. But even if we are evil, God is not. The Bible teaches us about the holiness, the faithfulness, the perfection of God. So how much more does he know about giving us good things, good gifts? So our God in Trinity has this heart of love, of creativity and generosity because he made us and he wants to show his love for us in myriads of ways. So what do we think good gifts are? Well, here's my bundle of presents. And this sort of represents my prayer life, because I think what we pray for illustrates what is important to us. So in the main, in the main, I kind of think of prayer as or pr- health, wealth, and happiness. So Lord, please heal me and heal those around me. Lord, please help me to get that job, get that house, give me a nice holiday. Oh, and Lord, the most important thing, Make me happy. Lord, if there's a problem, please just smooth the way. Get rid of all the difficulties, because that's what you're here for, to give me good gifts. Am I I on my own here? Because they are good gifts. So, as wonderful as these verses are, there is a reason why Matthew places them in the context of the Sermon on the Mount. And just to say, I think verses taken out of context can lead to a bit of confusion and maybe disappointment. Because we won't spend long on these verses before we start thinking about all the good gifts we asked for, but we didn't get. Because life just isn't that simple. And we wonder, is God really good? And why does he allow bad things to happen? Or we panic and start 
bargaining with God. Oh, God, please, please do this. And then I promise I'll be good. I'll pay you back. Or we just give up praying at all. I mean, what is the point? So prayer does get complicated, doesn't it? So for all these issues, I would recommend revisiting that, the prayer course and the unanswered prayer course that Pete Gregg does, and you can find that online. I think we did that um, quite recently um, in church. But going back to the Sermon on the Mount, so God talks about God not just as my father, as he does in John's Gospel, but he talks about God as, as uh, our father, your father, and nobody has talked about God as Father before. It's more God Almighty, the Lord, the Creator, but rather distant and remote, maybe. But actually, Jesus is saying God is very close. He's very accessible. He's very intimate. And no one would have thought of God in this way before. Just the word association just wasn't there. God as our heavenly Father. So now here's a, this is a silly game that the roots play sometimes. So this is where one person says two words that sounds the same. And you have to guess which word it is. Okay? So I'm only going to say this once. And I'm going to say this word and you've got to say what it is. Presence. So is that a present like this? Or is it presence? God's presence. So who thought I was talking about presence? What did you think? You thought it was presence, okay. And who thought it was presence? I mean, this is why it's silly, because I can just sort of say, no, I was talking about presence and you, you won. I mean, I said it was a silly game. But these good gifts, are they presents from God or are they God's presence? Because in Luke 11, Jesus promises, promises that God will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. And the Holy Spirit is the presence of God in our hearts. So what do we tend to pray for? Presence or God's presence? Well, of course, God is both. So just thinking of a prayer by the contemplative Catherine of Siena, and she says, God is like a deep sea. The more I find, the more I seek. O eternal Godhead, what more could you give me than yourself? O eternal Godhead, what more could you give me than yourself? So we can just sit in silence and contemplate that truth, which can take us just to a deeper level of understanding the love of God, the love of the Father, of Jesus and the Spirit that they have expressed for each one of us. But I'm carrying on. 
So if God is our Heavenly Father in Christ, we are adopted into God's family, as we're told in Ephesians. And in God's family, there is a different family culture. So we need a bit of cultural adjustment. It just made me think of the rose. Try living abroad like the rose are doing by moving to Mongolia. They have to observe how different cultures operate, and not just the language that can be really hard, but just how they interact with each other and what is valued, what is taboo, how you might offend somebody without really realizing it. So the rows really need to be wholehearted, to be fully committed to fit in to that Mongolia culture. And so do we. In terms of discipleship, we might think that the Sermon on the Mount sounds idealistic and insurmountably hard, but we've all been and we're studying this type of standard of behavior that Jesus expects us to aspire to, and that is God's family culture. So it's not just believing in Jesus, oh, my sins are forgiving, oh, great, my inheritance is heaven, see you there, sort of like masks on, on Sunday, but really it doesn't matter otherwise. No, it's living as children of God in an evil world. So this passage we just read is the key to understanding how any of this behavior is ever going to happen. To realize our need of total dependence on God. There is no other way. And there is, sorry, there's no shortcut either. So our prayer life is designed to change us rather than to persuade God to do what we want. But it is being secure in being secure in our relationship with God as Father from which everything else flows. So let's think about how Jesus modeled his living among us and maintaining his relationship with his Father. So at the beginning of each day, he would go and be alone with God. And he probably had to sort out quite a lot of temptations, quite a lot of anger, quite a lot of frustration. And uh, he knew, though, that he needed the love of his father, the clarity of God's purposes for the day, and the desire to carry them out. And then, of course, we have his agonizing prayer in Gethsemane, where Jesus' love for his father overcame his own immediate desires. And out of that obedience led to his death, but then his resurrection and glory. So out of that loving relationship with God comes, verse 12, do to others as you would um, have them do to you, which is sort of different to the do not harm others, don't do hurtful things, or my behavior is absolutely fine and, uh, because as long as I'm not hurting anybody else, but it's a much more selfless action because we are godly humanity, salt and light in the world. We are Jesus in the world. When people look at us, we should be reflecting the light of Jesus in our intentions and our motivations and our actions. And this is really the scary part. This is our responsibility to learn to walk in obedience to our Lord. And it does take perseverance, character, to walk in minute obedience 
following Jesus' words and example. So I have a group of friends who aren't Christians, and I can't say they talk about faith very much. I mean, why would they? But I still remember when I said something in the conversation, and one friend turned to me and said, oh, I wouldn't expect a Christian to say that. Do you know, I felt really terrible. I felt that I had let Jesus down. So even though they don't talk about faith, they are watching me. They're not going to read the Bible, but they are reading me. And that is my responsibility. And that is challenging. So God takes a huge risk giving me that responsibility. So I wonder, is there a trait of behavior in your life that you know isn't honoring to God? And that is where our prayer life comes in. Prayer is designed to change us, to help us learn what it is to have the mind of Christ, to help us live a life worthy of our calling, to show good fruit in our lives. So we ask for the gift of his spirit, to ask and it shall be given to you. Ask for forgiveness when we come in repentance and to take away that love of sinning, to change our thoughts of anger, resentment, and that desire for retaliation. Ask, and it will be given to you. Always ask for your heart to be filled with love for Jesus, the lover of our souls. And don't lose your first love. That's Revelation 2. And so we do this by coming into God's presence giving him our full attention, being fully present with him, and asking for directions every day as to how we can be used by God to humbly serve others who we might find difficult. Seek out God, because he will never leave us or forsake us. He is faithful. Look for signs of the kingdom, and you will find Where can you be the peacemaker? Where can you stand up against injustice? So search out where God is working in our world and in our life, even in the small things, probably especially in the small things. So I was talking to a friend who uh, was visiting the prison. Well, God is working there. And knock, and the door will be opened Only Jesus can unlock the gate of heaven and let us in. So when things go wrong, do we go to our phone or do we go to the throne? Because in Hebrews, we are assured that in prayer, we can approach the very throne of heaven with our requests. And what a gift that is! Because it is only through knowing God, through Jesus, that we gain the perspective of heaven where our true home is. So know that God can strengthen us when we're mocked for being a Christian, when we're persecuted, and knock on the door of heaven for others around too. Rico Tice, the Christian evangelist, tells the story of why he thinks he's a Christian, because he feels someone must have been praying for him. And what an answer. He is such an amazing evangelist. And in a time when influencers have such a sway on social media, Jesus wants us to be influencers too. So have a think about how many people you come into contact with, maybe on a regular 
or occasional basis? How can you influence people for the kingdom? So ask and seek and knock. It takes huge perseverance. But God calls us into obedient discipleship. But he encourages us to ask him to equip us to live that out for his praise and glory. So let us pray for God's presence and God's presence. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, please give us the desire to spend more time in your presence to understand more how we can live as children in your family. Lord Jesus, help us to understand in increasing measure the gift of sacrificial love you showed us. Give us the desire to follow you wholeheartedly. Holy Spirit, enable us to live our lives in deeper humility, in deeper love for others. We ask these things, so make us ready to receive so much more than we ever imagined. Amen.